If you'd like to follow along with the reading this morning uh, in the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 852. And our reading this morning is from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verses 2 through 10. About, and obviously, it's about the Beatitudes, and I think what a, a blessing it is to be encouraged by this, especially with the situation being what it is in Haiti and how we all are so impacted. But these, this message here in Beatitudes, if it doesn't apply to us every day, then what are we doing? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 2 and ending in verse 10. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we do hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It is exciting to think about the wonderful opportunity that we have to reach out and to make a difference in other people's lives. I want you to think about a country where there's so much devastation and many do not have many possessions to begin with, and to think about first, not just a simple gift of a bucket that is full of goods that are needed, But pause for a moment and just think about the simple gift of a bucket. These buckets will be used for years and even decades to come to carry water. They will be sent down with lids. They'll be used, no doubt, some of them to store rice or grain to keep them dry. They'll be used to carry something from a marketplace back home. Uh, If you have been in any third world country, you know that there's not a plentiful areas of places to sit in many of the houses you go into. They'll be used to set on. They'll be used to stand on. They, with and in themselves, will be used, and there'll be that message that constantly reminds them that the church of Christ loves them, that the church of Christ was praying for them, and all of that glory will go to the body of Christ. And the buckets that are in this room, there are many more that have been given to fill. And we do hope that we can fill hundreds of them. And we hope that all of us uh, will be generous and that we will think about the simple commands to love thy neighbor as thyself, to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, to love as I have loved you, as Jesus taught us. Let's make sure that we use this opportunity that God has placed before us to truly give sacrificially and give him all the glory. I'm sure all of us have, to some degree, been watching the news, and this has been heavy on our heart. But I tell you, I was taking the step back this Friday when I talked to Bill Staggs on the phone. 
And as I was talking to him, I just brought up healing hands and I said, I guess you guys are really, really covered up right now. He's on the board there. He said, we're working day and night. He said, as a matter of fact, I just loaded up a pharmacist just the other day with 160 pounds of antibiotics. Said he's going to be in demand when his plane arrives uh, there in Haiti. And then he said, a few days before that, we sent three doctors and several nurses. And I said, oh, that, that's going to be good for the injured people. What, what all do you think they'll be doing? Now get ready. In Bill Stagg's blunt style, he said, Oh, doing? All they'll do is amputations. They'll line up. They'll do about 75 a day. That's all they'll do, one after another. Friends, everybody down there is suffering the loss of someone that they know or love. And many are suffering a loss even of their own body. And all of them are trying to survive. And so let's do our part. There's not really a lot perhaps you and I can do at this time, but surely we can do our part. And let's make sure that we generously help uh, this good cause. Uh, financial gifts have already been given, and that's wonderful. Those are still uh, a need. But this is a wonderful way for us to put something in their hands that perhaps they do not have the convenience at this time to run down to a marketplace and buy these items. And that gift, no doubt, will be appreciated. Hopefully all of us have accepted the challenge this month to say that we want to grow. Spiritually, we want to grow. We've been thinking about renewal and recovery. Some of us need to grow in the sense of making a complete 180, a big turnaround. We need a recovery in our lives. Perhaps there's others of us that say, you know what, I want to be closer to God. Surely there are some things that I can do in my life to make a transformation where as I do those things, I look a little bit more like God. I act a little bit more like God. I talk a little bit more like God. I think a little bit more like God. Or even what we'll study this morning, I have desires in my heart that are more like what God desires. As we think about all of this, we think about life's healing choices. We all have hurts or hang-ups and we have things in our life that, that surely we look at and say, I would like for those to be different. And you realize there is a great physician and there's only one that can help with those things. And that one preached a powerful sermon. And at the beginning of that sermon, he gave us the Beatitudes. Individually, there are individual blocks that we could put together to build a foundation on which we could stand and say that ought to be our attitude in life. You see, if we were to take the first four from what we've already studied in previous weeks, we could almost state them like this. We could say, I can't. You remember, blessed are the poor in spirit, to admit that, that reality choice, I'm not God. I've tried to run my own life, and when I do, I ruin it. I can't. And so then that leads us to the second one. God can. If we're willing to mourn our sins and turn to Him, that's repentance. If we're willing to do, God will do for us what we can't. I can't. God can. Let Him. Hand the reins over to Him. Lord, we want you to have control of our life. Blessed are the meek. We want to be meek. We want to have strength under God's control. But please note this fourth one this morning. When we hand over the reins, we're actually saying, change me, but He doesn't force anyone. In other words, when we hand the reins over, it's not like pushing a button that says, now we're a robot. 
God, you just put us into motion every day. Well, how does God change us? One of the aspects of God's change in our life is when we truly have handed our heart, our desire, our appetite over to God and say, God, I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. As I give you the reins of my life, I realize that I still have a huge responsibility. And that is to constantly let you keep control of those reins. You know, lukewarm Christianity that is so strongly condemned in Revelation, the third chapter, that's where we say, God, you hold the reins when it's easy. And when I want it my way, I'm pulling the reins back. And then you do it your way. And then I'll do it my way. And friends, there are people that live the Christian life like that. But that's not Christianity the way God designed it. God wants to change us so that we truly leave the reins in His hands and we desire what He desires. And there's not this lukewarmness and there's not an apathetic approach, but we are genuine. We are zealous. We truly do want to be changed by God. Now for that to truly happen, there has to be a housekeeping choice. As we think about this beatitude this morning, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. When you're hungry, thirsty, what do you want? You want to be filled, for they shall be filled. You don't ever find fulfillment? Perhaps you're not hungry for the right things. Perhaps you don't have an appetite for the right things. You have a hunger and you have an appetite, but you're filling yourself with things that aren't satisfying, things that aren't fulfilling. And so your intake is great, but yet you're never able to say, I'm fulfilled, I'm satisfied, I'm thankful for who I am. When we think about housekeeping, I know that there would be a few of this audience that likes to housekeep, and I would guess that there would be a lot in this audience that really doesn't care for it. Now I want you to think about just that basic principle of housekeeping, not that I can be an expert in this and lead you in this by any means. I need a lot of training in this. But the way I understand housekeeping is that there, there would be a lot of dust, perhaps even dirt, perhaps even waste or trash, that those things need to be cleaned. They need to be gathered up. They need to be expelled out of that room, out of that house. But we also need some cleaning products. We need to bring in some cleaners, perhaps for various surfaces and windows. We may even need something for the air to make it have a better fragrance. And then we probably need some organization. Let's neaten up those cabinets. Let's clean up those drawers. Let's get things in place where they ought to be. Let's prioritize what goes closest to the dishwasher, what stays closest to the stove. Let's get this room, let's get this kitchen to where... It is clean and it is kept. Now think about your life for a minute. God wants to save us. But you know, when, when we come out of these waters of baptism, it's not as if miraculously our saved life is all placed in a neat fashion. Are you with me? We're forgiven. We're saved. But how are we really going to get things in our life the way they need to be? Friends, I believe that this simple principle this morning is maybe the beginning place. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
there has to be an appetite. There has to be a desire for us to constantly love what God loves and to hate what God hates. When we think about appetite, I want you to think about what would cause a a seagull to, to come and eat a cracker out of someone's hand. What would cause a child or to run up to the counter at Dairy Queen and, and reach out for that ice cream? Well, simply stated, it's appetite. It's where a, a person or an animal sees something that, that they have an, an inward desire for that and they're drawn to it. They want that. They want to consume that. They have an appetite within that says there's an object without that I want to consume. I want to bring within. I'm hungry for that. I desire that. I would love that. That's what I have on my mind. That's what I have on my heart. That's what my heart desires. Now, I'd like for you to be reminded of what we've been talking about for a while. When we think about our conduct, Our conduct is because of a belief or a value system. Our value system is formed by our beliefs. And our beliefs, if we're Christians, comes from the Word of God, Romans 10 and 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So if we want to change our actions, we have to change our values. We have to form those values by our belief or by our faith. And that comes from the Word of God. And so we're talking about this morning, if I allow the Lord to clean up my life, what am I doing? I'm saying, God, I want you to tell me what to start liking. Are you humble enough this morning to admit, I don't really know on my own, apart from God, I do not even know what I ought to like or dislike. I need God to set my appetite. I need to learn what to be hungry for. And Jesus says, blessed. There's a peace that passes understanding. There's something steadfast in a life. Blessed are those who hunger after righteousness. You know, life is is somewhat like a buffet. I want you to imagine for just a moment a, a large buffet a restaurant that has many bars in which you can go to, to eat. And, and maybe you want to go down the seafood bar. Or maybe you want to, want to go down the, the red meat or the, the chicken. Or maybe you want to go down the salad bar or maybe a vegetable, vegetable bar. And, and there might be many more. But now think about life. Maybe you want to go down this bar of immorality. Maybe you like a lot of gossiping and backbiting for whatever reason. You like strife. You, somebody's made you angry, I'm going to go down this bar and, and I'm going to get them back. Maybe it's the bar of materialism. I tell you what, my neighbor bought a bigger possession and, and I'm going to shop down that bar until I find a bigger possession. That's, I, that's what led me. Notice his desire. That's what led me to this bar. I'm envious of my neighbor and I've come to this bar right here and I'm going to shop because I want something better than them. Or you know there's another bar that, that says family. Friends, they're so important. You want to serve them? What would bring somebody to to that bar, to that buffet to say, I I want to love others? Or, Or what about a relationship with God? What would draw someone to that? Friends, do you realize every day you and I have choices? You and I literally every day have a buffet. What causes us to go to one bar or to another bar at this buffet in life? Now listen to Jesus again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What if we say, 
I simply want to do what's right. God, can you define righteousness for me? Because whatever you say is right, those are the buffet bars that I want to go to. That's the appetite that I have. Those are the places that I want to eat. I want to fill up. I want to find fulfillment at those places. So for just a few minutes, let's think about what it is to clean out and to reset our appetite. Look with me, if you will, in John, the 11th chapter, in 43 and 44. I'm only going to use this story quickly as an illustration. Do you remember when when Jesus heard that his friend had passed away, Lazarus? He'd been dead for four days by the time Jesus went to his grave. And when Jesus says, in verse 43, he says, Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. When I think of this, I think about a physical analogy of maybe what we experience spiritually. We're dead in sin. And we need to be resurrected. We come out of the watery grave of baptism. But I wonder how many times we come out of that grave kind of like Lazarus came out of his grave where I'm alive, but I can't really see clearly right now. I've got these grave cloths that have been wrapped around me. The handkerchief hasn't even been removed from my face. You can imagine Jesus and others so excited Lazarus is alive, but Jesus literally gives the command. Some of you people help him. Get those clothes off of it. Let him be free. The truth shall set you free. Friends, we have to have a desire for righteousness so that we can get our life in order. We can't do it on our own. That's why we have to desire what God has said is righteous. You know, when we look at Romans, the sixth chapter and four and five, we read that we are to be baptized and that we are raised just as Christ is raised. Now notice toward the end of verse 4, and it says, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Notice he refers there as if there's two things taking place. There is a resurrection that we're saved, but then there is a responsibility. When we are saved, now we are supposed to walk in newness of life. There's to be a change. Why? Because we're going to start walking up to the different places at the buffet of life because our appetite is going to be different as we think about this I think about Colossians and and we don't have a screen for this but I think about Colossians the third chapter in the second chapter he has discussed baptism and it is in this discussion that he says in three and one if then talking about if you've been baptized he says if then you were raised with Christ Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Now think about desire here and appetite. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Other translations would literally talk about the heart. Set your heart. What is it that you desire? If you've been raised, set your heart on things that God would want you to set your heart upon. In Psalms 51 and 8, when David had committed his sin where he had gone to a different buffet, if you will, and he had a desire that day 
to take of another man's wife. And then after that, he had a desire to trick and deceive. And when that didn't go as he planned, he had a desire to kill. And finally, when Nathan came and woke him up spiritually, he had another desire. Now notice what his desire became. Verse 8 of 51, Psalm. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold your generous spirit. He says, I've shopped this buffet long enough. God, I want to know what I used to know. I used to eat over here at this buffet and I knew joy. I knew my sins were forgiven. Lord, I'm asking you, notice what he wanted, create in me a clean heart. In other words, I want to start desiring what is right. I want to be forgiven and then I want to desire what is right. I remember a time in my life where I stood on a rooftop and I desired what wasn't right. I remember after I committed adultery, I desired again what wasn't right. I tried to figure out how to kill a man. My desire was all wrong. Lord, created me a clean heart. We can't just work on conduct. We've got to back up to what forms conduct. And it's the heart's desire. It's the appetite. Friends, if you and I can live our lives loving what God loves, being hungry for God's righteousness, our life will be totally transformed. When we think about this hunger and thirst after righteousness and we think about this new appetite, and, and by the way, on the slides, you've probably figured out now, H and T after R, that's just a way to get on one line there, hunger and thirst after righteousness. But I want you to, to note that as we go to this next slide. Uh, matter of fact, let's go, go to the one that says new appetite. Uh, and, and notice, does it seem kind of unusual to you as you think about appetite to talk about hungering and thirsting after one thing? I mean, there's not many things that you ever say, oh, I hunger and thirst after that. For example, I could tell you that I thirst for sweet tea. I love sweet tea. I thirst for that. But you have never heard me say, I hunger and thirst for sweet tea. You know, I could tell you, hey, a triple chocolate cake, I'd hunger for that. But I would never say, I hunger and thirst for that. What's the Lord trying to tell us here? When we think about that he's the bread of life and his righteousness and we think that he's the fountain of life, he is the drink that saves us, if you will, of eternal life. What is he saying? He's saying, look, you can't live without food. You can't live without water. My righteousness, you can't live without it. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's a change of appetite. If we're not a child of God, we're not going to have that kind of hungering and thirsting. Instead, from... from First uh, John, the second chapter, we see that our desire is going to be for the world. That's where he says, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. And then he lists the three things of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And he says, all that's of the world. But he also goes on to talk about how all that's temporal and the only thing that's lasting is the will of God. And that's where in John 4, when they came to offer Jesus food, but yet he was teaching people about how to be saved and how to become a child of God, he turned down their physical food and he says, I have food right here. My food is to do the will of him that sent me. Friends, we have to decide, are we going to do God's will? Is that our appetite? That's what I want more than anything. 
Or is it the love for the world that draws us in? We also think about the works of the flesh. Think about that. Lust, it just means desire, sinful desire. And, and so when we think about sinful desire, what's the works of the flesh? It's where our flesh causes us in to do things like lying, like, like fornication, like envy, like drunkenness. He, he lists the lust of the flesh and he says, in other words, we could ask this morning, why would anybody do those things? They have a desire to do those things. And he says, I want you to change your desire. Now I want you to come over here to another buffet in life and I want you to start loving the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to produce that in your life because you want to be led by the Spirit, not led by the lust of the flesh. Or also we see in Matthew, the sixth chapter, could he say it any more clearly in verse 33? Notice this as he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now notice he continues by saying in verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day to its own trouble. What's your desire? Well, I just want to make sure tomorrow's okay. I'm going to challenge you here. And I'm going to start on these toes. I'm going to challenge you. Do you really want to make sure tomorrow's okay? Set your desire today on Christ's kingdom and His righteousness. And God says, you'll take care of tomorrow. But you try to take care of tomorrow, today, and you let that become your appetite, and you're going to lose focus on the appetite of the Lord's kingdom and His righteousness. I would guess if you and I would go back and look at times that we've made poor decisions in our life and we regret those decisions, it's probably where we thought about how we were going to take care of something ourselves instead of saying, God, I want to do what's right. What is it that you want me to do? None of us are perfect. But can all of us say this morning, I want to want what God wants in my life. Can you honestly say that? I want to want what God wants in my life. And what God doesn't want in my life, I don't want to want those things. I don't want to have a desire. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect and that I don't struggle. I'm just telling you my desire. I don't want to want the things where, that God says, don't do that. You know, I've prayed for a, a lot of years. God, don't bring anybody into my life that would separate me from you and Tracy, my wife. I don't want to want anybody that's going to pull me away from God. I don't want any kind of, of substance that's going to pull me away from God. I'm not telling you I don't fight temptation. I'm telling you I don't want to want it. My heart's desire is God, help me to want what you want. God, the things that you say are going to hurt me and they're going to hurt you and they're going to hurt the people I love. Help me to not want those things. In other words, Jesus said it a lot better. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because at the end of the day, they get to say, I'm fulfilled. 
I love the life I have with God. I love the relationship that I have with God. At the end of the day, they have what matters. So this morning, if you were to go and plant a rose bush, you know, it starts out just being a a stick sticking out of the ground. But you know, a master gardener knows that later on it's going to be a beautiful bush. If you're not a master gardener, you look at it and say, you're wasting your time. Why, why, why that stick coming out of the ground? Or you know, in, in Florence, Italy, Michelangelo's David, the sculpture, the magnificent sculpture of David is there. You remember what he said when someone asked him one time, how did you do that? And he said, I just cut away everything that wasn't David. I looked at a stone and I just cut away everything that wasn't David. Do you realize that a part of the fulfillment that ought to come in our life is that Jesus is working on us. God is working through us. We're we're following the lead that the Scriptures gives us through the Holy Spirit. We're following God. And you know what God's doing every day of our life? If we're keeping our desire right, He's cutting away the things we don't need. He's putting in the things that we need. And you know what is coming down the road? No, you don't know. I don't either. But you know what? It's everything that it needs to be. I assure you, that this morning, if you haven't handled it all over to God, you are not going to live up to your potential. The only way we're ever going to be, everything that we ought to be, is hand it all over to God. God, I can't, but you can. Take the reins and teach me what I need to love and what I need to hate. I want to be hungry and thirsty for your righteousness. This morning, if you've never become a child of God and want to, we'd love to assist you with that. If you have, but you've lost that hunger and you want to come back and you want to place your desire in line with God's desire, we'd love to help you in any way we can. Come as we stand and as we sing.